Hello and welcome to Leadership Amplified. This is episode 23 um, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the program. Today I have the great pleasure of interviewing Paul Axop, who's currently the Chief Financial Officer at Programmed, which is a provider of staffing, maintenance and facilities management services. Paul's a senior finance executive with 25 years international experience in complex listed and private environments. He has strong financial and operational skills with proven leadership developed across a range of senior leadership roles at programmed Oricon and Lendlease. Uh, and that's all founded on 12 years at PwC as a trusted advisor to key clients. He has significant international experience and a proven ability to quickly transition into new roles as well as new sectors. He's trusted by boards and senior executives for his astute financial judgment and his ability to deliver outcomes. He is enthusiastic about building high-performing teams and strong business partnering models with a leadership style that's open and collaborative. And that's the key reason that we're in conversation with Paul today. Well, welcome, Paul. It's fantastic to have you here. I'm really delighted to be um, in discussion with you today on all things leadership. Great to talk to you too, Karen. Thanks. So, Paul, tell us a bit about your leadership story, perhaps some of the key events or people um, and lessons that you learned. Yeah, thanks, Karen. I think um, my dad, you know, growing up with him, I think he always would do what he said he would do and he brought this great sort of common sense and sense of fun to a lot of things. And I, I think as my career goes on, I realise how important they are to my view. Um, mm -hmm of leadership. Um, my papa was a big influence um, on my career as well. Um, uh, he had quite an interesting career and sort of was really driving to change and helping uh, businesses grow through understanding their key drivers and uh, their strategies and management. Um, and so um, I've always been sort of focused on those areas and I think he taught me that any problem could be solved. So I've always got uh, that mindset. Um, I started out uh, my career at PwC, which was a, a fantastic foundation that exposed me to a lot of different businesses and a lot of different leadership um, styles. Um, so I think that was a, a huge advantage in me sort of working out the best bits um, to take forward for me. Mm. I, I really remember one partner I worked a fair bit for and um, at one stage in my career he sort of said to me that you paid for your opinion and I think that really galvanised in me as a young guy that, you know, a confidence to expression an opinion and mm -hmm. also that listening to multi multiple opinions only led to a stronger opinion or strategy and, and that stayed with me to today. Mm. I've, of course, had my share of stumbles and I feel like I've learned a lot from those. Um, it's really made me focus in what's important for me in my career and, uh, and my life as well. Um, and 
you know, fully happy to make mistakes and want to see teams being prepared to make uh, mistakes as well. I was fortunate to then work at a, a couple of big global organisations like mm -hmm. Lendlease, where there was amazing people and mentors, and it really showed me that if you got a diverse group of people collaborating together, you know, you could, you know, make the impossible possible, as they say. And um, so I think that really brought to me that importance of leveraging diversity of thought. Mm, yeah. um, and now at Programmed, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, super proud to be at a place that actually lives and makes decisions based on its values mm -hmm. um, and really focuses hard on a no politics approach and just seeing what a, you know, a greater, um, more empowering workplace that creates. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's a great sort of history of, you know, early days thinking about leadership and obviously some very strong role models um, at that point in time and thinking about the sort of strategy and how you approached problems and problem solving. I mean, what, what, how did the experiences you had observing them kind of direct you into the career that you chose? Yeah, I think I, you know, I always liked it when people would say to me, yeah, you're not a normal finance leader, you know. You, right. Not the usual questions we're expecting or perspectives. And so mm -hmm. that always gave me a sense that I felt like I was on the right track of really, um, you know, how to, how to understand the business and to help it grow, you know, I sort of saw as my, you know, point of focus and that meant growing the people um, as well as growing um, profits and, um, you know, it wasn't about avoiding risk perhaps in a traditional sense of a finance leader. It was really about how to embrace and manage risk um, and, and take on opportunities. And so, um, yeah, I think... Um, that's what makes it fun for me, yeah, yeah. driving change. And mm. So starting off with a quite broad perspective on a business but then narrowing your own, um, I guess, um, focus on, on your career uh, in finance, but you brought that the best of both worlds in a sense, a real focus on the, the detail, the specifics of the finances, but the bigger picture of what are they for? Why do we want to manage our finances, I suppose? Well, it's about what we're trying to achieve as a business. Yeah, exactly, about, you know, what does, what's that strategy and vision and how do we get there and, you know, really about seeing it done so many different ways in both a strategy and a leadership style perspective then seeing that there's no right one way and really it takes a lot of uh, different views, you know, melted together to get the best outcome. So, hmm. um, and I think, you know, really trying to, you know, grow and change an organisation is the environments that um, I was most attracted to. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. So no one right way. Did you ever come across that as a challenge being in the financial area? Yeah, I think definitely you yeah. You start you start new roles and you know um, management that have been there for, for some time, you know, or, you know, may not have that you know um, same experience of things done multiple different ways and, mm. and the art mm. of what's possible. Um, they're perhaps sometimes you know inherently 
you know, constrained by their experience of that organisation. And so, um, you know, I think that does become challenging when you come in with a fresh perspective. And mm. so I think trying to give the context about where it's coming from and saying that, you know, have we explored, I'm keen to, you know, ensure we've got a resilient strategy, you know, with uh, future markets or economies uncertain that, you know, how do we optimise this, um, you know, uh, make it a more rounded or have a mitigation strategy for that risk if you don't see it, you know, um, uh, a high probability of happening. Lots of different sort of journeys about trying to get people to understand where it was coming from, I suppose. Mm. And um, Yeah. And so then a number of experiences that reinforce the value of having that broader perspective, but in particular, that focus on the expression of different views and uh, really generating a number of different views. So, you know, what, why do you think that's so important? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I've definitely seen firsthand businesses or teams, you know, um, you know, fail um, if they don't sort of, you know, embrace diversity of thought or if they have groupthink um, or, or too much of a, you know, strong um, focus on, on one way. Um, mm-hmm. I think they can, that can work for a period of time. It's not going to work um, in a sustained way. Um, yeah. I think, you know, enabling people to express views and listening to them um, and then listening to others' views I think really increases that development um, that experience like I had in the early part of my career and I think boosts their morale. And I think if you've got an environment where you've got people developing and, and a strong morale because they're able to express a view and be listened to, then you're bringing out the best of people and mm. that's going to lead to, you know, outperformance in the longer run. Um, yeah. You know, I think collaboration is one of these words that gets used a whole lot and I think in, in practice to me, I see it as something very different, you know, than, than the reality sometimes, you know. Yeah. It's it's more than just a team being formulated. It's about having a diverse team yeah. which, you know, um, are able to express different views and ways of doing stuff mm. um, to, to sort of get the outcome that no one's got, you know, overly stringent role in that team and the team can just move as one I think um, fostering that culture is is often a lot harder I think uh, <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's always people that are more reserved uh, in their views mm. and there's always people that are uh, more willing to provide a view or, yeah. or perhaps yeah. don't see that well as a, as a as a as a CFO or a CEO if I say a view then perhaps there's a bunch of people that then may not be prepared to share a view that's different. Um, yeah, yeah. And so um, creating that environment where people can see that it's listened to and it's it's actually valued expressing mm. different views, exploring different scenarios uh, has has a good value attached to it is is important and but it's it's not necessarily easy to achieve. Um, yeah. 
So can you share some of how you've done that? If you take your um, current role, for example, although, of course, we should bear in mind, and the listeners don't necessarily uh, know this yet, but Paul started at Programmed after COVID hit. So it was a very different sort of onboarding process. So you spent a lot of your time getting to know the team and uh, I guess establishing your focus as a leader um, remotely. Um, so that just added to the challenge, of course. So, But tell us a bit about what, what you actually did to create the climate that you're talking about under those relatively adverse circumstances. Yeah, I think it's, it's still a work in progress. I don't think... Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Where people, that, come on, of course it is. <laughs> uh, but I think, um, you know, trying to get people to understand the intent and the context, I, uh-huh. I sort of really felt the importance of focusing on that, that, you know, and, and for me in this instance it was about, you know, um, being new to the organisation and having, um, you know, experiences at a number of different organisations and mm. seen it done different ways about, you know, interested about why we did things certain, you know, ways and, you know, what had been perhaps tried or considered before and that, you know, um, that as a leader, you know, I value different views and, you know, I'm going to hold my um, my teams accountable for providing views Um a view back to me, a view back to mm. the divisional CEOs and other business leaders that, you know, that they've paid for their opinion and that's important and that's not to mean I want them opinionated, um, but, I, you know, I want them to express a view and to listen and, you know, be open to um, to that view, you know, changing over time um, based on experience and information. So I think... That was a focus. I think you know, COVID in part was, a, you know, a, there was a silver lining, I think, to an onboarding mm. process. I think there was a lot of opportunity to meet people in small groups or one-on-one. And with COVID happening, there was a lot of stuff to instantly relate to one another um, as sort of icebreaker and um, mm-hmm. to show that, you know, care and empathy, you know, was was very important to me. And understanding people was very important to me. So I think COVID created, you know, a silver lining to focus on that. And I think um, to then build on a relationship from that with then, um, you know, resetting about the sort of, you know, leadership, you know, I I was focused on and the sort of Mm. things I was interested in exploring together and and driving that. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's working well, you know, um, so far. Yeah. Any other techniques um, about how you encourage the diversity of thought, particularly in that remote context? I think there's always sort of some people in in every, you know, meeting or team that, you know, are reserved, um, that, that, you know, definitely have views and thoughts and it's really then about, creating forums it's you know whether it's a one-on-one or a smaller you know meeting um, or a different context to a meeting a meeting on a on a topic without an agenda and sort of saying well I want to workshop that or or whiteboard it and give them more license to know it's not a um, like an update meeting or a, a prescribed format I think 
you know, trying to find different avenues like that to explore it, um, trying to build confidence in some people that, you know, um, they've got good insights and values and it wants to be heard and that you know, I think them seeing, you know, that when I sort of say I'm interested in it, then acting on it and going, yeah, okay, well, let's let's go that way, you know, and seeing that that um, tangibly that it does impact direction and decision-making, mm. um, I think... Uh, I think it's important. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, how would they? How would they talk about you? What would they? What would they? What would you people say about your uh, leadership sort of style or persona, if you like? I, th- I think that's a good question. I think. Um, uh, well, I think in the in the roles I've, I sort of my last few roles have been sort of, uh, you know quite a change focus um, and mm. so I think you know there's always I think a, an upfront period of adjustment for that when you're, you're driving significant change or transformation so I think um, you know people would sort of say that you know they they understand and that my intent is genuine um, mm-hmm. I'm you know focused on doing what I say I'll do um, that you know I'm open and and approachable, um, and you know, interested in exploring you know different strategies or options um, mm. than sort of just what's been done before or the obvious. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I've got that feedback again that I'm not sort of your standard CFO. Uh-huh. I take that as a compliment, uh, Karen. I'm not sure if it always is, but I, I take it as a, <laughs> as, as a compliment. I'm sure it is. <laughs> um, and, you know. Um, yeah, that sounds terrific. Um, one of the things that I'm aware you've been he- fairly heavily engaged um, in at um, programmed is mergers and acquisitions. If you don't want to talk about this, we can cut this. What I'm interested in um, is how you, um, I guess, bring those different views of people in when you're acquiring them or merging them. That, you know, getting people to feel like their view is respected and a part of this new organisation, depending on how you're running the kind of acquisition, is something that can be quite hard to do. Do you have any observations about, you know, what seems to have worked best in terms of that integration, letting people feel that being so different that we come from a different organisation is actually valued here? What do you do? How do you do that? Uh, Very good question. I I suppose we're talking more then about integration. Um, Mm. I think my role has more been focused on the upfront, the strategy, the target, Mm. uh, the due diligence and the deal. Um, uh, the integration, we're fortunate enough to have a couple of people very experienced in, in integration at Programmed. Um, yeah. And so I think um, that, you know, and, and to me you can do a great deal, but if you don't integrate the business and its people well, then um, uh, it, it all uh, all value erodes pretty quickly. So mm. um, I think, you know, it's been great at program to see the focus the high focus on integration as so we've got a couple of leaders that are extremely experienced in it i think they really focus on um uh, people and systems um yeah. so um and when i say systems i mean sort of the it um 
systems um, that that impact um, uh, people and clients for that business. So I think the people, they're very focused on making sure that um, the people understand the change that's coming, that there's a good Q&A, there's good first-hand um, uh, information. It's, it's more personalised. They feel welcomed into um, programmed as a, as, a, as, as a business, that they feel part of the family, they understand really our values and, and what's mm. important to us and that we get good alignment um, of those values. Um, and then I think, um, you know, understanding that for people that's a big change and reassuring them around that change. Uh, and then it's, you know, the practical things of making sure that those initial payrolls and that, you know, the initial IT changes all go smoothly so that um, uh, that, that initial experience is good, um, is really important. And um, um, so I think they tend to be the key um, initial points of focus to sort of integrate the people in quickly so they can get on doing the good work that they do. Um, there's then the, the broader strategy growth and synergies to be focused on, which can, I think, then is important to um, not really drive until you've got the people and systems mm. uh, integration bit done first. Mm. Um, yeah, get the practical think, stuff done. Yes. Yeah. Make it easy for us to talk to each other to feel like we're part of the organisation then, yeah. If, if the day-to-day is not working well and if the people aren't feeling welcomed and if they don't have the what it means to them answered, then trying to focus on bigger strategy, longer-term yeah. growth and synergies is is a moot point. So yeah. um, I think um, I think that sort of, uh, you know, works well. I think there's there's no getting away, though, that integrating, you know, even well-planned, it's a whole lot of work and it needs to be well-resourced um, uh, and and understood and, and well-planned. Um, mm. And uh, if it is, it can be uh, very successful. Um, mm. I think that... The alignment of values is really important and I think, you know, again, that ensuring that's there in, in, the, in the target and then um, ensuring it's translated to all the people um, that are part of that business is key. Um, mm. I, think, I think there's probably also a scale bit. I think it's sort of, you know, a, a program's more being focused on, um, you know, uh, strategic add-ons that in, in individual size haven't been, um, you know, too big because I think too big then multiplies that challenge and then can have a risk of eroding uh, values or, or not eroding, um, uh, impacting um, values and culture when a large business is added to another large business. So I think that's mm. a, a very different challenge than the sort of M&A that we've been focused on the last couple of years and are focused on going forward, which are sort of small to medium size, because for all those reasons, I think that approach um, uh, is, you know, has a higher success rate in terms of integration. Mm. Yeah, which (laughs) makes sense to focus on success when you're doing such things, which for which there are uh, many, many stories of, of failures or not you know, realising the value that you thought you were purchasing. 
Um, but I think it is really interesting to think about, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of businesses and people coming in and, and how you manage that. And what I, I really like about what you've been saying is that there is this, this focus on making it very practical. What does it mean on a day-to-day basis? What does it mean in the different conversations that you're having? And that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of small, but it's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting people, allowing people to express their own views makes them feel like, you know, they are welcomed, they are valued. Um, and so it's, it's sort of not rocket science, but unless you have your Cape Canaveral, you know, it, it sort of doesn't work. You've got to have the space and the time to do it and the focus to do it. And that's, you know, the basis of trust. And I think it's something that does mature. I think when people know that, they can express a view and that it's, you know, um, and the impact that can have. I think, you know, that then, you know, consciously and subconsciously gets people to think differently in terms of, you know, the way that they, um, you know, add to any meeting, add to any any yeah. item that, you know, I, you know, I don't want, you know, my finance leaders pigeonholed by a, you know, a, stereotypical finance role or a traditional finance role I want them knowing that you know they're a key part of driving strategy and and business outcomes and to think broader and um, you know I think knowing that those you know and listening to other views I think that just creates a different thinking before the meeting and after the meetings hopefully Mm. and hopefully isn't attached only to meetings that I'm at that is happening and growing (laughs) outside and so I suppose that's where it can really happen. And I think, you know, I, I, I remember strongly too at, at Len Lease and, you know, one of the um, CEO of one of the business units there, you know, a very senior role was up, sort of asked at an internal conference his proudest moment of something that he had done that year. And I, to be honest, I thought it was a bit of a bold question of the person from the audience um, to make something so pointed. And, and um, you know, I can remember Tarun uh, gave a fantastic, you know, response his response was really that it wasn't something that he did it was a a question that he he posed to a team that then took them off on this different journey and resulted in this redesign and revised strategy for this major project and you know he, he was the first to say that he didn't come up with the revised strategy or design he just challenged the team in a constructive way with the question and they then went on and and so he was super proud of the team but you know, again, sometimes it's not just a thought. It can be mm. an amazing question that can take an individual or a team on a different path mm. um, and trying to make sure that it's not about having the answers. It's about listening to others and posing questions and being able to do so in a you know, constructive, safe environment, I think. Mm. Um, mm. Well, that's a fantastic example of empowerment, isn't it? It's leadership through enablement. So you've got all those smart people in the room, they're going to do the project anyway. Um, you know, being able to, I guess, challenge their thinking and help them come up with something different and new. I mean, what, what's, what better kind of leadership is there? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, in, in hindsight, to have that question then sort of really you know, elevated the importance of posing questions, yes. which, you know, perhaps often doesn't get elevated enough, you know, mm. uh, 
Mm, yeah. And often people have them in their heads, don't they? You know, you've got presentations happening, you've got meetings happening, you know, people are engaged. They'll be thinking and processing and coming up with all sorts of perhaps different ideas. And, you know, that's what you're trying to capture by giving people the opportunity to contribute. Wonderful. Okay, so we've heard a bit about your leadership story. Uh, I'm sure we've just heard, you know, very edited highlights there um, and, and the importance of diversity um, of thought and different kinds of thinking, different ways of thinking, contributing to work, and, and that's what you're seeking to do. Um, is there anything else you would like to add or to just provide us some advice for younger leaders or people who are at earlier stages in their careers? Yeah, I think, um, you know, seeing young leaders develops, a, you know, an amazing thing. And I think, you know, I've been very fortunate to have some people invest, you know, time and energy into mentoring and, and coaching me. So I think, you know, um, the first thing I'd sort of say to young leaders is that, you know, having multiple mentors, you know, is really important. And, and to, to seek coaching, I think, uh, is, in, is invaluable that, you know, you don't just want one perspective on your leadership and your career and um, you want multiple um, uh, I think so making that time for you that you know it's it's easy to be caught up in focusing on you know the business and the team I think you need to make time for yourself and 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 what does that mean for your career and your leadership style and to ensure you've got touch points from a self-awareness perspective I think that's just ab absolutely critical. They don't need to be long periods of time, but just that point of reflection, you know, a Monday morning on a way into work or whenever it is that you sort of um, do that. I think I've definitely learned firsthand about not taking on too much. I think mm -hmm. you've, you have to have um, that, that bandwidth to be able to look further ahead, to be strategic and to make sure that, you're focused on the right things and have got that self-awareness and time for um, people in your team. Um, I think that's a, bit, that's a bit of a tough one, though, don't you think? Because it's just at that point in people's careers when they're really focused on, I guess, proving themselves to themselves, perhaps, as well as to, to their business and organisation. And sometimes... I think it's it's almost you, you you're out of your depth before you really know it. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think many of us, and I've learned that myself, uh, try to prove things to ourselves is probably what we're spending eighty percent of the time doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, rather so, to others. Yeah. So I think we we need to sort of perhaps pat ourselves on the back, and um, yeah, I think you know it's you know I, I remember strongly what what a, a partner had to. And another firm sort of, sort of told me, um, which is something I, I focus on each week to this day, is that, you know, as a leader, you've got to focus on three things and the success of you as a leader come down to three things, you know, mm -hmm. your relationships, your team and your time and where you spend it. And so, you know, you've got to make sure that you are most of your time is focused on those three things and not just one to the detriment of the others. And mm. um, I think, uh, you know, to do that, you need to have um, 
some objectivity and some and some headspace uh, to sort of do that. So I think um, if you take on too much, it's easy to then lose sight of your team or some of your relationships or, you know, you become perhaps too transactional and not strategic or big mm-hmm. picture enough. So um, I think there's definitely a an outcome dividend from ensuring you've got yeah. that bandwidth, yeah. 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 Any other lessons for younger leaders? I, th- I think you've got to be, you know, prepared to make mistakes and, you know, I think you've got to go easy on yourself. I think, you know, a lot of the people are trying to, you know, they're, you know, they try to, you know, prove, as we said, to ourselves, you know, um, justify to ourselves, you know, um, and I think, I think that can become hard. And I think for, for teams, I think it's, you know, um, we'll all have people in our teams that are working really hard, and they're probably trying to prove to them themselves. And, you know, with a focus on, you know, care and empathy, I think, you know, getting them to, to be easy on themselves and. Uh, helping take them on the journey and hopefully learn from some of our stumbles or mistakes, I think, um, is a great thing that leaders can pay forward to future leaders. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Any last word in summing up, Paul? No, I think, you know, as I sort of said, I'm a a big believer in in diversity of, of thought and I think in addressing, you know, business and social and, and, and other challenges, I think diversity of thought uh, is critical to the success of those things and really hope that um, uh, people got something out of today's podcast, some, some things to, to reflect on and, and hopefully take forward a greater focus on that um, in, um, in their environments. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a great pleasure to have this conversation with you. Um, And yeah, just wonderful to hear about that very practical focus on how to open up the space to allow people to contribute their thoughts and how that benefits you, them and the organisation. So thank you very much again, Paul. Great. Thank you for the time, Karen. Great to chat.